0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight Podcast from londontheatre.co.uk. I'm Will Longman and this week I'm joined by the Australian comic and actor Felicity Ward. Known predominantly as a stand-up comic performing across the world, Felicity is about to star in the UK premiere of Kill Climate Deniers, a play by writer David Finnegan which sees a group of environmental protesters raid a Fleetwood Mac concert at Australia's Parliament House. In rehearsals, I had a chat with Felicity about what to expect from the play, but first I asked how, as an avid cricket fan, she was keeping up with the current World Cup alongside her rehearsals.
1: So at the moment, I am not balancing it at all. I'm also um, nearly four months pregnant. So when I get home from work, from rehearsals, I eat and then I fall asleep. So I am having to do mad googling, and um, the the next cricket podcast that we do won't be for a couple of weeks. So it'll just be a matter of me finding some very legal websites, absolutely 100% legal, and having a little s- snoop about what's been going on.
0: I was trying to find some kind of link between the theatre. And Cricket
1: I am it I am the only link
0: Well did you know there is An Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Called Cricket
1: I didn't I know that there is My friend wrote a musical Called Warnie the Musical Okay um, Which is very much about Shane Warne um, So that Any that, good? Yeah it was great yeah. He's He's actually currently just launched, um, he wrote the music for Beetlejuice, the musical. That's just um, opened like a couple of weeks ago. And he also wrote the music for King Kong, the musical, which just just opened in America too. So he's doing great. Not bad, yeah. Yeah,
0: really cool. Well, So this Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, um, I think he picked five of the songs to go into Aspects of Love and two or three went into Sunset Boulevard so they can never do cricket as a musical. It was that good.
1: Was it literally about cricket? Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Is he a mad cricket fan?
0: Tim Rice's. So, yeah, oh. always have heard of his musicals with Tim Rice. Great. And he loves it. So, obviously, the music. Was and Andrew's attractive.
1: like, fine, <laughs> we will write a musical about cricket. You, you get off my back!
0: As long as no one ever hears it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, now we're on to theatre. Mm. We know you mostly from stand up, but mm. I wanted to ask you do you have a theatre background?
1: I started in theatre, mm-hmm. and that's all I, all I ever wanted to do was be an actor. And I went to a performing arts high school and um, and then didn't get into any drama school didn't get past the first round two years in a row three different drama schools thanks very much (laughs) Australia never even made it to the afternoon anyway not still bitter about it at all and then um, I I was uh, there was a a youth theatre company that I was involved in with Sydney in Sydney and they were amazing and then from there Someone in one of those plays was um, directing the Sydney University Arts Review and he said, do you want to come and audition for that? Mm-hmm. And then I sort of gently—I made my way into sketch comedy and then um, into stand-up from there. So, And then I, I've done, I mean, I've done more stuff. I've achieved a lot as an actor being a stand-up mm-hmm. than I ever did I get paid more as a stand-up to act than I ever did when I was an actor, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, is it to do with the profile, I guess?
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, 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 as soon as I started doing stand-up, about 18 months afterwards, I, or two years afterwards, I did a film um, in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've had bits and pieces here and there, but also I think comedy makes you better at acting. Because I think it means when you read a script, um, the first thing you notice are the jokes. Mm -hmm. So I know how to do those straight away. And so it's it's just a layer that I will, and I think most comics will always have when they're reading a script.
0: Is there much of a difference for you between performing a stand-up show, which is your own material, and then someone else's?
1: It's so different. Like when I was acting, I was like, I'm never going to do stand-up. That's the worst thing you could ever do because you have no character, it's just you. They say, I don't like you or I don't like your jokes, whereas acting, someone else's words, I'm just doing my best.
0: So you can distance yourself from that a little bit, right? Yes,
1: a lot more. Like, I take it a lot less personally, even with the rehearsal process when there's something... I'm a lot less worried in a play than I am with my own show. Right. Um, If I was a couple weeks out from opening my show like a stand-up show and something wasn't working i'd be really stressed out because i I haven't had a director for a couple of years um Mm -hmm. i sort of use directors when i'm doing um a story show or a show that needs you know a really strong structure and and it needs an outside eye uh whereas with this there's some things that aren't there's some things that we need to solve by next tuesday Mm -hmm. But I have full faith that that's going to happen. And also I have five other people to talk to about it or four on stage and then director and assistant director and stage management. So it's, it's just not the same.
0: No, there are so many. I mean, you just sat for about half an hour taking notes. Yeah. Which do you get that same kind of thing when you're doing your own material? Because do you have someone who can give you notes on your performance or the jokes or here and there or is it all solely kind of up to you?
1: it's well something uh, something great about london is the preview season so with stand-up you can do 20 30 40 previews if you want before edinburgh Mm -hmm. and often you'll do a double bill with another comic now if you know them like them trust them what will end up happening often not all the time is that you can say would you mind taking notes and they've got a you know a comedian's brain and so you swap notes so occasionally you know like i'll do that maybe four or five times over a preview run. If I'm doing 20 previews, then I'll probably do that four or five times with other comics. (laughs) And so it's similar in that way. But apart from that, just... Yeah, you don't really have an outside eye. You just know how it feels.
0: Kill Climate Deniers is a pretty bold show title.
1: Yes, it is.
0: You're not one to shy away from bold show titles yourself. No. Um, Felicity Ward reads from The Book of Moron. Yes. Which was eighteen months before the Book of Mormon came out.
1: Yes, for anyone that think I, the Book of Mormon came out about eighteen months after I wrote a show called The Book of Moron, <laughs> and I did have some people thinking that it was going to be a religious parody show, and I'm like, there are that is not happening. No. <laughs> they were just essays that I was reading out. They were comedy essays.
0: Do you, so I've got Felicity Ward's Ugly as a Child and Felicity Ward busting a nut. Yes, they're brilliant. Do you write the show titles? Before you write yes. the content.
1: yep. You have, you have to come up with a show title like... I mean, sometimes it depends. Which, if you're doing Australia, the Australian festivals first, mm-hmm. you have to submit a title by October. So let's say it was October 2018, if you want to do the Australian 2019. So you have right. to submit by 2018 in October. I think that's for Adelaide. And then for Melbourne is a month later <laughs> So if you're doing Edinburgh in the following August, mm-hmm. 10 months before you have to come up with a title.
0: So it's a completely di- different part before you even start thinking with the yeah. show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or I, I mean, and some people some people know what they're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I usually start with a show title. And then somehow I, f- I, don't, f- like, I don't intentionally form a show that correlates with that, mm-hmm. usually. It just ends up being like that i suppose there's something subconscious so i i also take i write show titles down in my phone all of the time just things that i would be funny and that, or that i like and there was um this um um theoretical um psych what's it called (laughs) i'm so sorry i've been rehearsals for eight hours my (laughs) brain doesn't work it's a psychological dilemma called Mm -hmm. the hedgehog dilemma and the dilemma is um, I can't remember the psychologist that it was primarily used by, but the, the dilemma that hedgehogs face is in winter they have two options. They can either cuddle up to each other to get warm, but they could hurt each other with their spikes. Or alternatively, they stay by themselves, but they could be cold and alone. And it's a metaphor for the human condition and mm-hmm. whether we decide to get close to people. So I really liked that as a concept. And, um, and I thought, oh, you know, maybe there's something in there. And so I used that as the title... And then I decided I wanted to talk about these things that had happened in 2006. So this was like six years later. But I'd stopped drinking. I'd left my fiancé of eight years and I moved back in with my mum. Mm. So that, oh, that's what that show... Uh, but then other... Like, busting a nut is just a funny phrase to me. I think it's really <laughs> funny. And I'd just been writing stand-up and I didn't do a show in 2017. So I was like, ah, oh, look, I'm sure it'll fit. People and like also that. it doesn't even matter.
0: No, not really. As long as it's something on a poster, someone will look at it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Right.
1: Or they go, oh, that's the title. Okay. Yeah. Fine.
0: (laughs) So with with kill climate deniers, that's clearly something with plays a lot of the time. Yes. Playwright will put something, you know, a nice a nice phrase, Mm. pick a line from the play that Mm. you know sums up. Kill climate deniers is a pretty out there statement.
1: The opening Mm. scene is the playwright. So one of the characters in the play is a playwright. Mm -hmm. Is the playwright, and the opening scene is him saying it's talking about the title and how you want to do something adventurous and that he thinks it in. He's like, but sometimes you get it wrong. Okay. So it's it from the, that's the first thing that the play deals with is, um, is the title.
0: And so where does the play go from there?
1: The play sort of has a couple of, it's, it's like nothing I've ever read before when I got the script. I'm like, Oh my God, this is the wildest. Can I swear? Yeah. It's the wildest shit I've ever read. It's a comedy, it's a satire, it's a farce, but it's also meta-theatrical in that the playwright, one of the characters is the playwright, Mm. and he sort of, there are scenes, he doesn't really narrate what's going on, but he interjects sometimes with what's happening on stage. Other times he, um, he talks about his relationship with this play, writing this play, doing research for this play, actual climate deniers getting in touch with him the media's response in australia to the play so that all runs concurrent to the storyline of the play um which is a a fictional okay and so and then in the play there's an environment minister which is me um that i play called gwen malkin and she does a a radio interview at the beginning of the play with talkback radio which is very hyperbolic in australia Mm -hmm. and but also um quite ubiquitous that in in each state they have their shock jocks that just try and get you like baby boomers all riled up, you know, like some of the LBC people over here. Um, some of them, not all of them, if you're listening, (laughs) they won't be,
0: but yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) but it's very much that kind of, um, very polemic. We have, uh, but I make sense. Mm. You know, I'm just, I'm just the common man, even though they're millionaires, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I go on to one of these, um, radio stations and it should be a really easy and exciting an easy audience and exciting announcement of a new climate policy that we have uh and it's a conservative government that I represent and um it's an absolute balls up okay and then it's the same night you sound. it <laughs> sounds weird Fleetwood Mac are about to are going to play at Parliament House that night right. in Australia and Gwen Malkin, the Environment Minister, has to go along as part of it, and so they. Tr- the rest of the play is her trying to get that back, and then that's the other thing. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Hmm. Um, why don't we say this and I'm then this down. bit, and then yeah. So then the play is taken over by hostages. Uh, it is taken over by climate terrorists. Right. So everyone who's in the concert is uh, t- is a hostage to climate terrorists. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it turns into an action film. Yeah. And it is fucking wild. It
0: sounds it. Yeah, it and, is. But so, so it's a Fleetwood Mac concert, but yes. the, the literature for the play says it's full of nineties techno music. Yes.
1: All the way through. Right. The playwright just loves nineties <laughs> techno as do I late eighties, early nineties. Okay. Yeah. So that sort of underscores a lot of the, the Please fights tell me in, they're
0: like techno remixes of Fleetwood Mac songs.
1: No, there isn't. He knows nothing about Fleetwood Mac. He doesn't even know how many people there are, and ex- there's a lot of sort of um, there's. It's very clear in the text mm. when some of the characters who are in Fleetwood Mac are talking about Fleetwood Mac, and they openly say, "I don't know what instruments are in Fleetwood Mac." <laughs> so it's very, it's it's. There's lots of fourth wall breaking, and it's very. Um, uh, It can be self-referential at points, but in a really, like, the playwright's like, I don't know what they are, but they I put them in.
0: (laughs) The bits where the playwright is interjected and there's been, like, a controversy in the media or something that the play has caused, they're fictional.
1: They're real. They're real. So his scenes where he is talking about the controversy that the play has caused in the Australian media are 100% real. Okay. And there's... Quotes and there's um, he talks about other media personalities and how they tried to attack him and what part Rupert Murdoch you know plays in the Australian media and how what response they've had to um to this play.
0: So I guess I guess the play can kind of evolve then if it's had a run before. Yeah. Then it, those bits can change.
1: Yeah. If it, if it if it happens over here, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if it. But the thing about this play was it was arts funded, oh. so that is perfect bait for right wing conservatives going oh oh they're now they're funding terrorism Mm -hmm. or they're funding writing about terrorism oh they're going to kill us are they so there's um there's a lot of hyperbole around it but um it's fascinating it's fascinating that it's real yeah yeah
0: i've been looking at your twitter today and i've been learning some new words ah uh i learned what a durry is or a dart is
1: yes which which is is a cigarette yes a doona which is a duvet yes
0: I didn't learn what a flog was.
1: Oh, a flog's just a bit of a wanker. Okay. Yeah. So if someone's... I don't, use it, I don't use it, but I hadn't heard it for ages and it really made me laugh. It's like, oh, you're a flog. You know.
0: Is there much of that vocab in the play? Because I think, I think Brits love it and love hearing it.
1: Yes. Uh, no, do you know there isn't that much? I think because it's quite a contemporary play, um, there's a couple of references that we've had to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some that we just don't explain and English audiences can just be baffled by it. <laughs> because I always do that... Uh, I used to do that when i like... When I lived in Australia and I'd come to the UK and I'd go, okay, what references do I have to check, blah, blah, blah. And now I sort of spent so much time in each place that I write. <laughs> Bilingually probably isn't the right word,
0: but <laughs> Middle ground, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So that it's, So there's words... Like there was um, one that was brought up, which is dead shit, Mm -hmm. which is a very Australian word. If someone's a loser, it's like what a dead shit. But if I say that over here, very well understood, not used but understood. Yeah. Um, what was it years ago? It's you know sometimes you just use TV references and you're like, does that happen over there or Mm -hmm. or songs that were huge in Australia, even if it's an American song you assume they'll be huge. They would have been huge here and they weren't or the other way around. Uh Um, Yeah. It's just having an ear to the ground, but there actually isn't, there's a very funny line on, I don't know if that's even particularly Australian. Um, Yeah. It's not, it's because also it's in, uh, it's set in a political setting Mm -hmm. that there isn't as much Australian jargon. Like, Dart and Durrie is very sort of like regional Australian. Okay. I grew up in a small town. That's how my dad speaks. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I speak. (laughs) Um, Doona is, I mean, that's just countrywide. Also, this is one um, that you will find ridiculous that all English people do. We call uh, bed sheets and pillow covers and doona covers. We call all of that Manchester. Because it used to come over in a box when it was sent over from England, mm-hmm. and it would say Manchester on the box, okay. like that's where yeah, all yeah. we got all of our linen from at one point. So as a collective noun, we call that Manchester. That
0: kind of makes it's that's weird. Yeah, once you hear the story <laughs> behind it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. but like Aduna, Aduna yeah. doesn't sound very comfortable.
1: Oh, Aduna so comfortable. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know, Aduna sounds like it's got hard edges. See, and I it's...
1: think duvet sounds very strict.
0: I don't know, I think the fact that it ends in a T but ends in an A makes it sound a bit more comfortable, a bit more sure. pleasing.
1: I sure, sure. I, I, do you know the origins of the word duvet? Because I don't know it for duna or duvet.
0: I'm guessing it's French?
1: Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Duna, I don't know. I don't know how we came up with that.
0: Well, to be fair, at least that's English, yeah. in a way. <laughs> A quick interval now, and a reminder that if you like the sound of kill climate deniers, you can see the play at the Pleasance Theatre in Islington until the 28th of June. Now, as ever, we kick off the second act of the podcast with our quick fire quiz, where we put our guest to the test, where they have to answer ten questions as quickly as they can. So far, the scores she has to beat are Giles Torreira's one minute and four seconds, and Rachel Tucker's 46 seconds. Let's see how she gets on. The worst thing for me is I mumble a lot, so I've got to really think about...
1: Don't you ruin this for me.
0: Okay, are you ready? Yes. Edinburgh or Melbourne? Edinburgh. Favourite cricketer? Uh, Steve Waugh. Last podcast you listened to?
1: Uh, Invisibilia.
0: Rate your first ever stand-up show out of ten?
1: Oh, I'm seven.
0: First theatre show you ever saw?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, uh, Oliver at the Gossip Musical Society.
0: Dressing Room Essential? yes. Comedy hero. Uh, Maria Bamford. Pre-show fuel. Water. Karaoke song.
1: Um, uh, Wilson Phillips, Hold On.
0: Podcast hosting or guesting?
1: Oh, hosting. Never done it though.
0: <laughs> 37 seconds.
1: Hey! That's New good. record, mate.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty standard, yeah. I feel good. confident. I feel confident. Confident, definitely. 7 out of 10 for your first ever stand-up show. That's was a very confident score. It
1: was a good show. It was weird. It was good. My second show. Maybe a five or a six. Because I'd been doing stand-up for... I mean, I'd been acting my whole life. Mm-hmm. So when I did my first stand-up show, I had like 10, 15 years of stage experience. Yeah. So I wasn't going on going, how do I hold a microphone? How do I stand on stage? What's the light?
0: But was it the first time you were on stage completely on your own? Yeah,
1: but I was a real attention seeker. So I was <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I also, I had all of those things that I did in the, in the Hedgehog Dilemma, all those things, all those things had just happened. Mm. So I just had all these horrific life, not horrific, but life-changing things happen. So when I went on stage, I was like, oh, my God, I don't care if you don't laugh. Like, is that all I have to worry about? Mate, I've just given up alcohol. <laughs> I don't care, you know, like, it just seemed inconsequential. Now that is not the case. Mm. Now it seems like the more time goes along that I just, you know... I want people to laugh more and more
0: so what was that first stand up show where was it
1: the first one I did was so I did my first gig ever at the Melbourne Comedy Festival in 2008
0: first gig ever
1: yeah first ever it was a it was a one off it was Adam Hills's then girlfriend was doing this variety show and I didn't know I was so lost and she was she saw I'd done Adam's Long story, I ended up getting on Adam's music panel show in Australia. It was like our version of Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Oh, I've, yes. Spicks and Specs. Yeah, yeah Sounds yeah, racist, yeah. actually a BG <laughs> song. Um, uh, so I had done that a couple of times. That was the first time that I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to be a character to be funny. Mm-hmm. And then his girlfriend said, do you want to come and do my show? Just a one-off spot, like a variety night. And so I did, and then I ended up having to do stand-up. I had this other idea, but it was something got stolen and a prop got stolen. so I ended up having to do standup and that was the first gig. I, and then I did my first full hour four months later at Melbourne Fringe Festival. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's in Pretty hindsight, I feel like there's probably a slower way I could have done it, <laughs> you know, like done raw, which is our so you think you're funny competition uh-huh. or done a half hour or I'm like, nah. Full hour. Yeah, I can do it.
0: So thank you very much to Felicity for joining me this week and if you've enjoyed what you heard be sure to check out the play Kill Climate Deniers at the Pleasance Theatre until the 28th of June and for more interviews be sure to subscribe to the Spotlight Podcast from londontheatre.co.uk The music in this episode is Loopster by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0.